wrestling life. Hey everybody, it's the Wrestling Life. It's episode 237. It is June the 4th, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And perhaps like never before, so many things that we can't talk about. We've got to talk about George Floyd. Like, we can't participate in society this week and just come on here and do a wacky, goofy show about you know stupid pro wrestling without addressing like everything that's going on in our country this week and yet at the same time i don't feel qualified at all to speak on this (laughs) um but i don't know i guess just in broad terms you got thoughts about what's going on uh yes Feels really dumb doing a podcast about professional wrestling this week. I mean, it feels dumb most weeks, if we're being honest. <laughs> but <laughs> feels especially dumb this week. That's fair. Yeah, you know, I was walking the dog in Patterson Park last night, and near the little pond that's there, and uh, there are bullfrogs in the pond <laughs> that like make this. I don't know if you just Google like bullfrog serenade. And they make this really cool, uh, distinct sound. Um, uh-huh. It's like, okay. And then, so, the the bullfrogs were, like, talking to each other for, like, ten seconds. And then you would hear either flashbangs or rubber bullets being fired from downtown, uh, <laughs> like, ten seconds later. It's like, where am I right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing bullfrogs and flashbangs. Yeah, it's pretty weird. It's it's a pretty, uh, like, awful... Like, I don't know. Like, I just, you know, net positive. That guy doesn't get charged with any crime. And now him and the three guys who stood around and watched him murder the guy are all, you know, facing criminal charges. So, like, the marches were good for that, if nothing else. Uh, I, I, I... think there's a certain like uh without like a battle plan of where to go forward like are we asking to defund the police departments uh like fire everyone and start over um and maybe make it so that like the people that carry guns aren't also the people that like write our traffic citations like, because mm-hmm. that's how this changes. Like, it's a like the it would require a complete overhaul of the way like our police, like government, enforces things, and the way like the police are recruited. Maybe maybe most police officers shouldn't have guns anymore. Like, or maybe you know, if you need help and your life isn't immediately in danger, maybe the person coming to help you shouldn't have a gun. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, like, as much as, like, yeah, it's awesome to see all of these people out there who are fed up, and direct action has already led to change. Right. um, Which is good. 
right. and hopefully it keeps happening. Um, but at the same time, it's like unless the next steps are, if the 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 quote unquote happy ending to this is Joe Biden becomes president, Joe Biden's not dismantling the police state, like <laughs> unless you're still out there in six months yelling about this. And I I so I hope. You know, this isn't getting those guys charged is really good. And I'm glad it happened. And a lot of people got shot in the face with rubber bullets. You know, you're supposed to shoot rubber bullets at the ground and they're supposed to like ricochet and like hit people in the legs. You're not supposed to shoot people in the face with them. Um, Yeah. Um, I mean, I figured you weren't supposed to aim for the face, but yeah. Yeah, there's meant there were created to be at least originally they were created to be shot at the ground. They're actually I think they were they stopped using them for years and then I think in the LA riots they kind of became back in vogue, I was reading. Um but yeah, I'm I'm spiraling here. But like yeah, I just I hope I hope the discussion the session just can't be we can't just keep going, well, there are bad eggs. And it's like, well, if if eight out of every ten eggs are bad, then we need to get a new chick. Like, I don't know. My metaphors are bad here. But like like this, this would require a complete and utter overhaul of the way like policing is done, the roles of police and like the way things are funded and like. You would require, you know, like demilitarizing their arsenals and, yeah, maybe creating a new, like, force for doing, like, nonviolent police tasks. And I just, I don't know. I hope, like, I, I would love to see it, but I, I, I don't know. Because, again, we had a, we had a Democratic president when Ferguson happened and when Baltimore, you know, the riots in Baltimore happened. So just getting current guys or current politicians out of office is not the happy ending to this story. If we're actually looking at like long-term structural change. Right. And because systemic racism is baked into our society. Yeah. Without dismantling society from top to bottom, it's very difficult to try to, workshop a solution for this yes and now for something completely different let's talk about qt marshall and the bunny (laughs) and drake maverick i don't know weird week in wrestling um AEW had a lot of issues a lot of issues which i can recount uh later um like i know they're a startup but they've been at this for like a year now and they're still really bad at really basic things like social media and continuity. And when you're doing a taped show, making sure that the correct commentary tape is played and you know, things like that. Seems, yeah, seems like some pretty basic, some basic, like, uh, you know, even TN okay, well TNA definitely did do all of those things a few times, but Yeah. Yeah. That's also like hopefully the benchmark for being on like TNT in prime time would be like the benchmark would be a little higher than well 
they're around the same level from a production standpoint as 2006's TNA Impact shows. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later. Start with WWE chronologically here. SmackDown last week. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan and Sheamus is the main event. <laughs> like, like I have kill Bryan before his contract comes due again. Right. It's like personally, I have no interest in ever seeing that match again because uh, it was the match that ended Bryan's career the first time. Even yeah. if Bryan was a complete idiot in that match, uh, you know, Sheamus also did hit him really hard. So I really have no interest in seeing Sheamus work anybody ever again. Uh, but Daniel Bryan and Sheamus was there. Uh, they did a really tasteless Jeff Hardy angle. What you think of that? Yeah, that was gross. I guess I was talking with uh, somebody uh, on Twitter about this. I think it's only the second most sleazy Jeff Hardy angle they've ever run. If you remember, I think it was before Survivor Series one year. It was supposed to be him and Hunter, I think. And they did an angle where they pretended he overdosed in a stairwell. Yeah. Um, And... That was worse than this, but not, like, much worse than this, I guess. Yeah. I guess, I guess immediately you knew it was part of the show. They maybe, unlike the overdose one, so that's a little better, I guess. But I don't know. Like, I, I mean, we've talked about this before. I don't really like the playing on somebody's real-life demons, especially with somebody like Jeff, who um, I don't think it's there's been a long enough uh <laughs> period where we can say he's even like conquered those demons right it seems um, like a I understand re- a, a, it seems like a relapse is inevitable because yes. relapse has happened every time so far yes and again i'm not making light of addiction or of you know personal problems at all like things happen people fall off the wagon people are human i get that but to me that's why you don't put that on your rest on your fake silly wrestling show um because this very well could happen in real life and what why do we you know why do we need that type of thing why do we need drunk driving angles um it's just to me it feels like it's it's the worst parts of uh you know we talk so often about wwe living uh, in 1999 to 2001 forever um a lot of ways creatively and this stuff just feels like i mean it's like if you remember there was like the angle where like hawk of the road warriors was like suicidal yeah. and a drunk and like we said they've done stuff with jeff hardy like this before and you know jake roberts and and other things like that so it's just like it's just always feels sleazy and wrong and bad to <laughs> do storylines like this and also nobody was good in the segment like renee young's one of the more talented performers they've ever had in that role and she couldn't make that segment work as like the reporter on the scene because because she knew it was bs you know what i mean like (laughs) but just everything that you said obviously i have no no issues with anything that you just said and agree with the majority of it but can i point out like the main thing about doing stupid angles like this is that they've never drawn a dime 
So if you're gonna do them, yeah. why not? Why not do? If you're gonna do something that doesn't draw a dime, why don't you do something you know normal that doesn't draw a dime rather than doing stupid crap like this, like that. pushing Baron Corbin? <laughs> right. Yes, I'm advocating more Baron Corbin unless <laughs> what? 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 Yeah, unless uh, unless crap like that. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed the Sasha Banks Alexa Bliss match on SmackDown. Obviously, um, I enjoyed it as a match. And if if you didn't know that they hate each other and just watched it as a match, you probably would have thought, eh, it was an okay. It was an okay match, or it was you know average, slightly above average for mm-hmm. you know the low bar for WWE women. But then, if you knew that they hated each other. Oh man, that match ruled. <laughs> Every match I have seen them have together has always been like the best matches of Alexa Bliss's career. And I don't think <laughs> Alexa's like a terrible worker or anything, right? But I wouldn't say she, you know, she's not Misawa either. So right. like, yeah, I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. She and Sasha tap into something in each other, <laughs> and yeah. they uh, they really uh, they, they seem to bring out the best in each other while. Perhaps privately bringing out the worst in each other. <laughs> yeah, so that was enjoyable. Uh, you know, the, they're still building Bailey and Sasha Banks, which they'll be building till the day I die. Correct. Great. Uh, Monday night. I guess I don't. I don't even know what's on SmackDown this week. Uh, next week's the go home show for Backlash, right? Or is yes. this right? Right, 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 right. Because this yeah, weekend's ne- Takeover. Right, 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 right. So, but next week is the week they're doing the finals for the Intercontinental title thing. Why aren't they doing that on the pay-per-view instead of, anyway? (laughs) Yeah, that's weird. Anyway, and then what the hell are they doing on SmackDown this week? Probably nothing. (laughs) Yeah, this feels like a week where we're going to have like a six-man tag and a couple of video packages and... Oh, they're doing. A, aren't they doing a tag title match on the on TV this week? Or are they doing Bailey and Sasha against? Yeah, that's right. Liz they Cross? did announce that. They actually did announce that. Probably because they already taped it, um, and they knew that they could advertise it. But all right. <laughs> so I guess we'll just have to see how that all plays out. Monday Night Raw was okay. It was long. What did you think of the show? Um, I thought that. Uh, Lana and MVP had a really funny backstage <laughs> segment <laughs> with each other. Where yeah. again, we just talk, we were talked a lot lately about the negative chemistry that certain acts have <laughs> yes. on certain wrestling shows. Yeah, and like I don't like I every time I have seen Lana for like the last year, and I've heard the way she speaks and acts in these segments, I'm like. She's either, like, regressed as a performer, like I have never seen anyone ever in the history of wrestling regress. Yeah. Or she's doing, like, some bizarre performance art and intentionally (laughs) is trying to be the worst actress I've ever seen in anything ever. And either way, I think it's brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, so... I, I... Okay, but the weird thing about, you know, so Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre is the world title match, so right. you know, MVP's the setup guy, for, and he's managing, he's kind of managing Lashley, so he's the setup guy, so whatever, but still, you know, somehow they're still trying to shoehorn Lana into this feud, but then Lana, 
interfe- said she was going to interfere in the main event of Raw, and then she didn't. She just came out. <laughs> uh huh. It's really weird. Really weird show. Seth Rollins and Aleister Black wrestled for like an hour to start the show. They sure pretty, did. It's a good match, but um, and if you missed it, they replayed the 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 mat that that the ending of that match about three times. Uh, so legitimately, that match went to like uh, was the took and the you know the promo whatever everything is set up and the finish of the match was the first forty minutes of the show. Mm-hmm. And then, 20 minutes later, they did a lengthy video package recapping the match at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just quick replays. It was like a full-on video package with like graphics and right. slow motion and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute. Did I miss... Are we doing this again? Like, what? Yeah, so, I don't... That was bizarre. But I guess it's leading to either Rey Mysterio returning or... The in-ring debut of his large adult son, Walter. <laughs> yes, Walter Mysterio. <laughs> the prince maybe, maybe, uh, maybe debuting. Do you think they know? Like, obviously, so the word was when they set this angle up, it's like, it's an out. Ray Mysterio signed an 18-month contract when he came in. So this is either, his contract's coming up, he either re-signs and they do Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio, or he doesn't re-sign, and that's the end of Rey Mysterio. <laughs> do you think they knew, or do you think they know now what they're doing? Um, I mean, the fact that they put Rey and Dominic on TV tells me that he's coming back. <laughs> okay. So whether or not like they know what they're going to do once they get him back on TV, because that's the other thing. They Other than uh, perpetually setting up retirement angles for Rey, they haven't really seemed to know what to do with him for this last, like, two years he's been around. Like, they just have him wrestle Andrade a lot, and yeah. which is fine. They work really well together. But, like, uh, and I think he was in a feud with Randy Orton for a minute. But, like, he doesn't, they don't really ever seem to quite know. And I guess they did the Brock thing. But, like, they don't ever really quite seem to know where they're going with Ray. Like, they're like, okay, right. we'll tease a retirement and then. His son, his large adult son, will talk him out of retiring, and then he's just back. <laughs> he's just back on the show for a while, and then until we tease his next retirement. Yeah, that's what they do. But then Alistair Black pins Seth, so I would think if the money, quote unquote, money match is Seth and Ray, I don't know why Alistair is is pinning Seth. Like you would think, if you wanted to give Alistair a win, that's what. Uh, Buddy Murphy and the other one are there for. Yeah, you would think, but they also that was one of those nobody got over wins. Yeah. Like Black rolled Rollins up, and then Rollins and his crew jumped Black after the match and beat the sen- beat the pulp out of him. So what and, was the sense? Humberto, <laughs> right? Yeah, let's just keep you know shoveling dirt on that guy. So yeah. Like what's the point? I don't. I had no idea what the point of any of that was. But, um, and they Randy, Randy Orton and Edge continue to do great promos, hyping up the greatest wrestling match ever, uh, which is going to take place a week from Sunday. But it uh, it begs the question: uh, Can they not just continue to do these promos forever? Do they? Why do they have to do the match? <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be funny when that's like the third best match on the show. Yeah, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, they're they're talented talkers, and they're they're doing a good job. But I, I don't know. <laughs> like I, I, I always feel like with this greatest wrestling match ever thing, like I was like, what are they trying to angle for, like to promote? Like, is there something on the network? Is there, is there going to be a show? on fs1 that's going to be like hosted by edge or something (laughs) called the greatest wrestling matches ever or something like they're just so hitting you over the head with it and they can't honestly believe that it's going to be the greatest wrestling match ever so i'm just trying to figure out like what the like cynical pr corporate reason would be for sticking with this tagline so hard you don't you don't think it's just a case of vince mcmahon putting it Vince McMahon branding something. I mean, that's always a possibility. <laughs> the outlandish Rich Swan. <laughs> the new sensation. The man oh. that gravity forgot. Neville. I forgot. I, just... I forgot about the new sensation. He already had a nickname, and they're just like, nope, throw that one on there too. Yes. The new Daniel Bryan. <laughs> the new Daniel Bryan. The real AJ Styles. The real Brock Lesnar, if you want to go back 15, 16 years. Yeah, 17. he likes to use the same ones, too, because you can find, like, <laughs> clips of him referring to Bob Backlund in 94 as the lunatic fringe. Like, yes. he just, re- he has, like, seven phrases. Yes. But I, like, I, I can imagine, like, Velveteen Dream is going to get the, the the androgynous label oh, when he goes he, up to the main roster. You would think, yeah. Um, yeah, so I just thought this was a case of a Vince McMahon branding thing that just went awry. <laughs> Quite possible. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, Matt Riddle, Dominic Dijakovic are coming to the main roster. I like Dijakovic's chances better if they change his name. Because um, that name has just never made any sense. <laughs> it's not. A, it's not a... It's not a name I could see WWE um, being able to push very well. Uh, but he's tall. He is. And, yeah, he seems like a prime uh, winner for the lose your first and or last name sweepstakes. <laughs> uh, we haven't yeah. had one of those in a while. so Sure. I could see him going to just Donovan. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe they lose the Kovic and... And his first name, and he just goes by Dijak. Um, I could see either of those happening because, yeah, I don't. I just don't see. That's too many syllables for oh, yeah. no for chance. Vince to see as a main eventer. Yeah, and it's also a bad name for the record. Like, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna break anyone's heart if they do change that. Right. Exactly. Uh, one thing that Vince McMahon and I do have in common is that we don't like guys who don't wear shoes or knee pads. Uh, and Matt Riddle doesn't wear shoes or knee pads. He's also, you know, probably six six foot six one, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's kind of like right on that borderline of a guy too small for Vince to take seriously as a top guy. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact of whatever he he has, what's real, what's not, I don't know. But Matt Riddle, like, no matter how much lip service they pay to oh no they they know what they have in him i just i can't see this working out well do you agree or disagree i agree based a lot on how uneventful a lot of his nxt run was um 
prior to him being in a wacky odd couple tag team with Pete Dunn, like there's like long stretches where he was just kind of hanging out <laughs> or he was like the TV program for somebody. Right. Um, and so to me, it never quite felt like they uh, like hundred and same thing. I think with Keith Lee for a long time, where it's like, just like these uber talented people who have, you know, more charisma in their pinkies than a lot of the guys that, you know, are on, on, are on the main roster having their whole bodies. And you're like, what's, and like, if, and that always uh, worries me. It's like, if Hunter doesn't see it when it seems so obvious to me, it's like doubly sure that Vince won't see it to me because, and and part of that, uh, I mean, you, there's always that thing where people are like, well, maybe he, Hunter thought they were going to get called up right away, so he wasn't going to try to build the shows around him. I was like, maybe, but he was down there for like two years, and they did not a lot with him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it does worry me that if if he wasn't even used to his full potential in NXT, you, you know, a la Sam Zayn or, or some of these other people that were great on on NXT TV and then we're just kind of underutilized or put in the wrong roles on the main roster. It's like, well, they didn't even know where to slot him on, on, on the, the quote unquote, the good show. So yeah, that, that worries me a bit. Well, I guess we'll just have to file that under. We'll see (laughs) as we, as we usually do here. That's right. Uh, so there's a takeover this Sunday. You know, we don't have to go, you know, super in depth on these, but we'll just run down the card real quick. M- Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox versus versus Aunt Candace, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. Aunt uh, Candace is going through some things. <laughs> really, look, like look. Uncle John is a bad influence on her. And Uncle John is wrestling Keith Lee for the NXT North American title. Um, John, Johnny and Candice are really bad at playing bad guy wrestler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're they're like uber talented people. I don't understand why we must do this. <laughs> I guess because we've done every story we can with John on as a good guy and instead of calling him up or I don't know, creating a new story or making him the champion and feeding him, you know, different heels to fight. Well, everyone's got to, everyone's just got to turn heel. Um, I mean, we went, we went down the list a month or two ago of all of the, the people, but again, a lot of times you at least get to the main roster before your baby face character is ruined and you have to turn heel. Right. Um, John, John Johnny was kind of dead in the water, like as a babyface, like six months ago, and then they like half turned him heel, and then didn't, and then he won the title, and then he lost it right away, and then he was just kind of floundering for a while, and then he turned, he justifiably was not happy that Tommaso Ciampa got came back, and everyone was like, "Hey, this is a good guy now." Yeah. Um, he pointed out the inherent flaws in the narrative. <laughs> Uh, storytelling, storytelling of NXT, and that made him a bad guy. And yes, now he's dragged Aunt Candace down into this world. It's just yeah, they're the two most natural baby faces. If you ever see like anything that they do 
outside of WWE uh, television. Like, they just come across as, like, these two super nice dorks who love wrestling and Star Wars. And you're like, these are not mean people. (laughs) These are not people who are sinister or who, like, I don't know that they would have the energy to be evil. (laughs) (laughs) They're just really bad at delivering the promos. Like, that. Probably for every reason you just said, but anyway. Um, Finn Balor is wrestling Damian Priest. I'm sure they'll have a good match. Sure. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is wrestling, Car- wrestling Karrion Cross with Scarlet. They haven't ruined Karrion Cross and Scarlet yet, I don't think. I haven't watched this week's NXT yet. Um, but kind of weird to see Ciampa there as the setup guy. But, you know, the thing about Gargano and Ciampa, too, is... The bodies have kind of turned on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Gargano doesn't really wrestle in between takeovers that much. And uh, Champa said he can't go on the main roster because his body can't hold up to a house show schedule. And he's coming off a broken neck. So <laughs> um, maybe it's best that, I don't know, they just keep finding different things for them to do down there. Because what else can they do with him at this point? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... That's fine. That's maybe you have them wrestle, uh, you know, one match, and then you you write them out of storylines every for right. for a few weeks. And having you know, Carry uh, and Cross get a big decisive win over a top guy lets you know that character move forward into whatever his next feud is. And you let you let Champa kind of you know fade away and take another take another month off until you figure out what your <laughs> next move with him is. Right. Charlotte. Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Charlotte's just all over every show, and she's cutting sure her she's cutting her Charlotte promos. And you know, I put over the great promo that she cut, which seemed to be unscripted, like you know, a month or month and a half ago. And since then, they've just they've written a long Charlotte Flair promo on just about every show. <laughs> So, you know, that's what happens when you make that wish on the monkey's paw. <laughs> it always comes back to bite you. Like, I just want one good Charlotte promo. And they're like, all right. You also get 365 <laughs> not good ones. Uh, and then Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream in a backlot brawl for the NXT championship. I guess this will be another of your favorite cinematic matches, pal. That's right. That's right. Uh, which one of them? So the only other backlot brawl I remember is the Piper uh, Goldust one. Yeah. Where, like Piper almost died. And uh, which one of them? Will they recreate the spot where uh, somebody's clothes get stripped off and they're wearing negligee? Um, I don't think that would fly. Um, but you never know with these people, you know. <laughs> Um, I could see them redoing the, like the, the baseball bat in the Cadillac spot Mm. or the somebody, it looks like somebody gets hit by a car spot. Although the first time it was because Roddy Piper, Roddy Piper actually got hit by a Cadillac. Yeah. (laughs) But as far as some of the, um, there's a, you know, that, if you watch that match, like there are things about that original back, like. 
lot backlot brawl that are great, but also it comes across as a hate crime if you watch it in 2020. <laughs> it's this weird mismatch of yeah, like the super intense brawl. Yeah. But also, yes, incredibly homophobic. And also there's an OJ Simpson parody in the middle of it. Yeah, that made no sense whatsoever. Um, so yeah, that is uh <laughs> It's a weird thing, but yeah, that was that was my thoughts. Just like, well, hopefully this will lead um, to a lot of funny things with the undisputed era trying to get involved and uh, the serial killer who now also is an artist. <laughs> that was the big reveal this week is that he draws like caricatures. Uh, uh, Dex, I remember his name now, Dexter Loomis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't see this the whole segment. I just saw a picture of him with holding like a little caricature of. Like him in a car with the other three members of Undisputed Era, like tied up in the back seat. So he's a murderer and a talented pencilist, <laughs> penciler. That sounds really dumb. Um, all right, cool. Every segment with Dexter Loomis feels to me like they threw it together two seconds. <laughs> And they were just taking, and it was like also in the middle of an imp- of like a bad improv class. Sure. Like, uh, he's a murderer. Uh, he's going <laughs> to slither out from underneath the ring. Uh, he's an artist now. What? Uh, oh, yes, and. Right. And we just have to go with it. Because those, those are the rules of improv. Not only that, but he's so eerie and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> An ominous Byron. tone f- falls over the room when he walks in. You'd have Byron Saxon... <laughs> Tell me that four, 14 times. <sighs> yeah, so Cole's been champ for over a year now, right? Yep. Um, this There was some unpleasantness with Velveteen Dream that was never really uh, addressed. <laughs> there was, like, one denial, but, like, no follow-up a while back. Do you think anything's ever going to come of that? Um... No, <laughs> unless unless there are other examples of that behavior, that because it seems like whatever the you know the accusations made uh, were, uh, it wasn't enough for anybody to care for longer than like a day, or for the company to think it was a problem. So, right, that's, I'm not you know I'm not proclaiming anyone's guilt or innocence, but unless it seems to me unless there are like other uh, other people willing to come forward who have similar stories? Yeah, I think he kind of dodged a bullet on that one. What do you know about that? Um, yeah, so that's uh, NXT TakeOver in your house coming up this Sunday. And then we have Backlash a week from Sunday. And then uh, AEW Dynamite this week. It was a tape show. Before we get into AEW, I just want to talk about the Strike Maverick thing for a moment. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Obviously, you're very fired up about <laughs> what they did with Drake Maverick this week. <laughs> so, some years ago, you may remember, there was this thing called the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, Kota Ibushi was in it for <laughs> some reason. Uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. and uh, other talented fellows. Yeah. And there were, like, a couple of matches they did in that tournament that were, like, praying, trying to prey on, like, real-life things. Like, there was, they had done this redemption arc with Brian Kendrick, who had, you know, talked about his problems with drugs and alcohol and how he'd gotten clean. And he wanted this one last shot to 
you know, to, to prove that he could still go and everything. And he run, and he's, wins the first couple of matches and then he loses to Kota Bushi in a really emotional match and him and Daniel Bryan hug as the show goes off the air and there are, and everybody's crying. And then later in the tournament, Cedric Alexander uh, has a great match and loses to Kota Bushi and everybody's crying and, and good natured kind man, uncle Paul comes out as the crowd chants, please sign Cedric and says, okay, and gives everybody the thumbs up, and, and they go backstage, and Cedric Alexander got a job. And to me, this whole Drake Maverick thing feels like a very, very cynical attempt to recreate those moments. Uh, so they did this whole, you know, I don't know if people remember, because uh, it was like two months ago, which feels in this current year's times like, nine years ago, uh, they fired like 60 people. <laughs> um, and most of them, from what we can tell, perhaps all but one are not getting their jobs back. Um, and uh, Drake Maverick was one of the people released. He yeah. put a video, a very emotional video on his Twitter with him weeping. And uh, somewhere along the lines, uh, started to get kind of a he's but he's in this tournament even though he's about to (laughs) even though he's been fired like oh that's kind of weird that they would bring this guy to tv but there was you know talk of them bringing sarah logan and other people that they had fired to tv to do jobs or whatever because they still technically have them under contract for 90 days somehow i don't understand how that works so like all right well i guess they're gonna job him out on tv a few times before he leaves and then all of a sudden, they create this storyline where Drake Maverick is going to win the Cruiserweight Championship to avoid being fired. And they keep going, and they keep going, and there's flukes and everything. They do this long tournament. It's been like six weeks of television. And he finally he goes to the finals, and he loses. There's some interference, blah, 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 but he loses. And he's going up the ramp, and all of the robots uh, in the Performance Center crowd are cheering for him. Um, And then Uncle Paul walks out on stage, and he, wouldn't you know it, he happened to have an NXT contract in his hands. And Drake Maverick got his job back. Um, So, on one hand... The fact that they couldn't have figured out anything to do with a guy as talented as Drake Maverick is like, well, that's stupid. Uh, You're bad at running a wrestling company if you didn't think he had a role that he could play in your company. Um, That's one. Uh, Two is you either crafted a story where in the midst of really firing a ton of people, you pretended to fire this guy for a storyline for the Cruiserweight Championship that nobody cares about or you really fired the guy and then realized you made a mistake, rehired him and then still pretended you were firing him just so that you could try to cynically recreate a moment a la the Cedric Alexander or Brian Kendrick moments from the Cruiserweight classic uh, a couple years ago. And so regardless of it, it just feels scummy and it does not feel, this did not feel like a feel-good moment to me at all. It felt like a weird, scummy thing to do to either, again, either pretend to fire this guy or really fire him and rehire him and make a big show of rehiring him 
while again really firing a ton of other people so like there's no world where this is good to me if that makes sense makes plenty sense this is a company that has a history doing weird scummy things too so big if true but yes so yeah that just like i was watching you know i I flipped back and forth and i tried to watch the main events of both shows and i I got to the end of the nxt show and i was like i was ready to vomit like i thought that was just that was just i don't know it just it was just gross and weird and seems to be in bad taste if again he's the one guy you're actually bringing back while actually firing a bunch of other people no arguments there EW Dynamite was kind of just a show this week. They had two title matches on it, but the champions retained in both. And uh, really, the most... Well, aside from the continuity errors on Dynamite, like where they... um, They showed a graphic on the show twice that said that Fighter Fest was going to be on July 1st and July 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern. And then they released on social media... Uh, an image that said that it was airing at 8 p.m. Eastern on those days in place of Dynamite. <laughs> so, mm. which is which, who knows? Uh, no clarification on that whatsoever. They said that Mark Quinn was going to challenge the TNT champion for the title on next week's Dynamite. And then Tony Schiavone on commentary said that Ray Phoenix was going to challenge <laughs> the TNT mm. champion next week on Dynamite. Uh, and then later Shivani said that Quinn was going to challenge the champion. Uh, so I guess Phoenix is still hurt. Um, and but when they recorded the commentary a week ago or whatever, they thought that they were going to have Phoenix back in time for next week's show. But then they found out that they weren't, so they went with Mark Quinn. And they were able to edit Quinn successfully onto the show twice, but they missed one somehow. I. This is also a week it where seems like there should be one person, at least one person, whose job it is to just watch the show through before it airs. Lot you know airs on national television, to make sure that like there's nothing like that on the show, like uh, an sense. editor or yeah, uh... yeah, you'd think. It's, a continuity was, czar? I don't know. Come up with sure. a wacky title for him. Sure. It was a taped show. They taped this last uh, Thursday. Mm-hmm. Whatever the deal was. So, um, Also, AEW Dark this week. They uh, they published it as an unlisted video <laughs> at 7 p.m. So uh, there's, like, they, there's just like snafu after snafu after snafu like this that illustrate to me that there's 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 some tna and there's some wcw in this company's dna yeah i mean that stuff is like again you're like theoretically i mean you're the the youngest skewing audience of any wrestling show yeah currently uh so you should probably know how to run a youtube channel yeah or hire someone that does it's not hard trust me it really isn't (laughs) Um, so it doesn't really seem like it should be that challenging or to like check maybe before you hit publish on a tweet to make sure you've spelled your show's hashtag the right way. Yeah. They misspelled it last week. Like (laughs) Um, three times. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. Also, um, generally, AEW is a pretty good product. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's like I thought this was supposed to be like the work rate uh, promotion, and I don't think. Well, I don't think anybody's able to deliver that right now, just based on not having audiences. Yeah, but. I wouldn't even say in the to- the totality of the promotion's history, I wouldn't say, wow, this is like on par with New Japan or something as like cutting edge in-ring. It's right. like, you know, it's it's pretty good. Um, you know, generally no complaints, but there is also this element of cronyism <laughs> and <laughs> big-time friend hires that... Um, is uh, notable and generally I would say doesn't affect the quality of the product but I would say that it has begun to affect the quality of the product when QT Marshall who Cody when he was on commentary on Dark a few weeks ago said was his best friend in wrestling uh, QT Marshall is all of a sudden uh, in a a storyline with Allie formerly the bunny of the Butcher the Blade and the Bunny they just dropped from the Butcher and Blade Act with no explanation whatsoever. Correct. They're now doing a storyline where Allie is infatuated with QT Marshall. And Marshall is uh, now having to act a little bit in this story. So first of all, QT and Dustin Rhodes are now the number two ranked tag team in AEW. What? Yes. They are, they are 4-0 this year in tag team matches. So that's good enough, or 5-0 and now, I don't even know. Uh, but that's good enough for uh, the, the number two tag team ranking. And AEW Dark this week, which not many people watch, but I watch, um, was the QT Marshall show. Uh, there were two, at least two promo segments, maybe three, and he was in the main event match. And the, he was on Dynamite this week. And the commentators pointed out his storyline with Allie. Uh, and uh, there was a social media exclusive this week where Diamond Dallas Page gave QT Marshall the diamond cutter as his finisher. And QT Marshall, I think we maybe have talked about him passing on the show before. He's, very, he's pretty technically sound, although the more I see him, the more holes I see in his work. But... Also, he's a uh, he's a charisma vacuum, and he is all over AEW programming now. And Brandon Cutler, friend of the Young Bucks, is in storyline on Dark this week. And Luther, Chris Jericho's friend, uh, has you know why does Luther? God bless him. I'm sure, he's a wonderful guy. <laughs> Why is Luther signed to a national wrestling company in 2020? No idea other than there's this friends and family thing going on there that I think, particularly with this QT Marshall thing, has started to affect the quality of the product. Uh, yeah. Uh, my thing, and I've, I've referred to QT Marshall as the Yoshihashi of AEW <laughs> before. Um it's it's it now that Drew McIntyre won the world title, I can no longer use my Matt Morgan analogy. So the new greatest analogy I've ever made is yeah. QT Marshall is Yoshihashi because sure. everybody acts like he's a make a wish child <laughs> who is just doing his very best at yeah. playing pro wrestler. Yes. Um 
and he's not offensively bad, as you pointed out. He's quite sound in the ring. Um, would be a fine enhancement guy. Um, yeah. Which is the way, generally, up until recently, they had used him. Yes. Like, they made a big joke out of it a few months ago where it was like MJF and a partner against Cody and a partner. But MJF yeah. got to pick Cody's partner, so he picked QT Marshall. Right. So I was like, all right, he's like this joke kind of jobber. Like, great. All right. You can hire your friends to do jobs. I don't care. Like, sure. That's fine. Uh, same with, yeah, same with Brandon Cutler's Young Bucks cameraman on being the elite or whatever. Great. Um, fine. Fine. Do and and to a lesser extent, I don't. I I understand you have to watch Dark for your job, so you care about the quality of that show. <laughs> yes. I don't watch it, so I don't really care <laughs> if you do storylines with Brandon Cutler and the Librarian um, on that show. But yeah, that's when it starts leaking into the main show. Um, that's that's a problem. <laughs> that's that's a big problem for me. In the same way, when it's like. You know the open. You know when you do the, they do those tags on the undercards of the G one, and yeah. it's like Okada and Yoshihashi against Suzuki and and Zack Saber Junior. Like man, I wish like literally any other member of Chaos was teaming with Okada because this would probably be really good. But since it's not, I'm fast forwarding. Um, yeah, and that's kind of how I feel when uh, when QT Marshall's on on the screen. Um, so yeah, and and we we kind of that led us to an aside about Cody potentially hiring uh, the former Zack Ryder, right? Um, which I just like to bring up because, and uh, admittedly, I'm a fan of his and have been for a decade, so I'm probably not unbiased in this. But like, Zack Ryder brings things to could bring things to this company that other people can't because he's really good. Like he's been very good at social media and YouTube. And, like, he has ins with people in action figure companies and things like that. Like, he has value beyond just being a guy who is or isn't talented at wrestling. Right. Um, so, like, bringing him in would not be a problem to me. Um, especially, I think, if you bring him in with, with Hawkins and their team, because you can always use more tag teams. Uh, that's fine with me. But to your point, when you bring him in in addition to bringing in... <laughs> a bunch of technically sound but not very interesting or charismatic guys who are also friends with the EVPs, um, it becomes a pattern. And when a guy who maybe does have more value than just being friends with the right person comes in, he still gets lumped in with that crew because he's friends with, <laughs> he's friends with the wrong person in that case, I guess. So, Right. That that just struck me as as we were discussing, you know, the, the potential of Cody bringing in even more of his friends. It's like, well, some of Cody's friends probably actually do have value and could bring something, even if it's not necessarily to the main TV product. They can, you know, they can help out in a lot of different ways. I don't know what QT Marshall is helping out with as far as <laughs> clearly it's not views, the view count <laughs> on AEW Dark. So I don't know, man. This. <laughs> Yeah, there's, I think, despite the lip service that was paid maybe the other way uh, when the company was started, uh, yeah, it, it's never a bad idea to be good friends. I guess if you're a wrestler, that's the moral of the story, is no matter what anybody says, just be friends with the right people and you'll probably have a job for as long as you want. Sure. 
the British beefcake rule. <laughs> Anything, uh, do you want to talk about Nia Jax, Kyrie Sane? I guess we should. Um, I'd forgotten about it until you mentioned it, what with the myriad of topics, wrestling and real world yeah, uh, going on. But, I mean, if you watched the clip, and they did their best to edit around it, but uh, she pulled her out of the ring by her hair and then shoved her like head first into the steps. Like it's not like what your typical like Irish whip into the steps where you're halfway, you know, where you're on the other side of the ring and the person gets like a big running start and can kind of throw their back into it. It's like, no, she just like grabbed her and chucked her face first into it. Like that was dumb and bad. And if you hurt that many at a certain point, you know, I'm, I'm willing to say accidents happen and I'm sure there is a certain viciousness with people that don't like her online that isn't there with maybe other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't condone that in any way. But if people keep getting hurt, let's call this the Seamus rule. Uh, if people keep getting hurt wrestling you, um, you're bad at wrestling at a certain point. It can't all be accidents. It can't all be the other person's fault. And if this is the, like, I don't know, seventh or eighth time someone ha- and, and at least the second that Kyrie has maybe gotten injured wrestling her uh yeah that that tells me that uh she, she she's not she's not good at, at wrestling because the whole point is to not really hurt the other person right that's still the point of this right I, I think I think it is yeah I would just like you know I'm not a wrestler um shocking I know yeah um but I would say that I would say since her most recent return, Nia Jax, um, she's just physically not capable of doing a lot. And a lot of, I would say, in a lot of, I see, I see spots in matches with her and Kyrie where Nia's half-assing it and not, like, comp- doing a, the full, completing a move to <laughs> And just kind of like going through the motions, and this is the result. So yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a fair assessment. Like, and again, yeah, she looked. We talked about this, I think, leading up to Money in the Bank. Like, yeah, she just doesn't look like she doesn't move well. Um, and I never thought she was like a super great natural athlete in her earlier work, but yeah, this is like kind of another level where. It's a lot of like, you know, don't get me wrong. She's not, she's not Kali or Andre, you know, post, post 85 or whatever. But like, it's, it's trending closer to that direction than it is, you know, uh, uh, you know, the other way. Right. All right. We've been talking for a long time. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I think as always, we've most likely said too much, but, uh. Yeah, it's been a just a terrible a terrible week in the real world and a weird week in the wrestling world. So uh yeah, let's let's just take it on home and hope everything's a little bit better tomorrow. But at least we're able to talk about it here this week on the first and only wrestling podcast. Yeah, that's right. So till next time I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios.
Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Let's talk about QT Marshall. <laughs> uh, do I have permission to put that in the show? I think that should be the opening of the show. Like, yes. I don't. All right. Let's just, we'll do an open and then uh, I'll splice that in and then we can segue to talking about wrestling. Okay. I try to keep on keeping on.